Hello, friends, and welcome to DBC Conversations. This is a podcast designed to help you go deeper and help you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus in our day. Each week, we'll discuss the messages taught at DBC and how we can grow together as the body of Christ. My name is AJ, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Chad Zook, and we're your hosts for this conversation. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm I'm faring pretty well. Yeah. Man, I'm just, uh, I'm still like coming off the spiritual high of yesterday. It was a great day. It really was. Last night was great with the students. Yesterday morning, both services were great. Hmm. Lunch at Zaxby's was great. And long. My company wasn't, <laughs> my company was good what? too. Yeah, Izzy was there. Yeah, okay. So. Well, no, it was good. It was such a such a good day yesterday. Yeah. And I really didn't want it to end. Yeah. It's just one of those days where I feel like God was just on it, on me all day long. Yeah. The worship and the message worked really well together. People were engaged the whole day. And yep. So anytime that happens, it's a great day. Yep. Yep. Did you do anything interesting this weekend? This weekend, I cut my grass for the first time this uh spring season mm-hmm. so it's time i've put that off long enough now so i went oh i also had to buy a new car battery so that was mm. less than fun and way more money than i wanted it to be so yeah car batteries i feel like they used to be so cheap but now they're they're not so yeah. that could be wrong maybe they've always been expensive but not as expensive as they are now yeah and it's a tiny battery it I really was is surprised so yeah i bought a new car battery cut my grass just did dad stuff you know Oh, car batteries dad and- <laughs> stuff Not, you know oh. i can't tell you how much joy that brings to me you saying yeah. that well you know dad stuff of course I, I knew you even before you got married and then was there when you got married and yeah. now with izzy and now to see the man you are it's really incredible yeah god's doing great things to your brother what about you so what'd you do this weekend nothing <laughs> no no <I'm> jealous <laughs> no, no had a really really good weekend and uh got all my my chores and stuff done on friday and, man, you know what I really did of significance on Friday and Saturday? What's that? I got the grill out again. Nice. I had an all-winter long, and I'm not really a winter griller. Me either. I probably should be, but I'm not. Sorry, Ashley. And uh, just made, which we were joking around as, at, at the table about this, but how Marla cooks all the time, and yet Dad comes in and cooks one thing on the grill in like several <laughs> months. Like, this is the best meal I've ever had. <laughs> And we're like, oh, what about all those other meals? So Marlo yeah. was like, we were just kind of going back and forth. It was it was great. But yeah, just made this great chicken. I don't even know what it's called. Chicken and it had barbecue sauce and then bacon and then cheese over the top of it. Wow. That was incredible. You realize it's almost lunchtime. Right? I know. Uh, okay, thanks. It was, it was so good. Yeah, and then grilled out burgers on Saturday. So it was just really good. Just And Saturday was just... Much of uh, what we're trying to do with our Sabbath rhythm just chilled for most of the day. And then I did do a couple things that I needed to take care of just from the yard and stuff that aren't open on Fridays. But yeah, um, super good. Slow-mo day. That's very cool. And then yesterday, of course, we talked about that. Yeah. Also yesterday, the bottom line was a life of simplicity glorifies God by being open-handed with their time and treasure. The, The believer's time and 
treasure. It's not just a great bottom line, but what a great segue, by the way. Just to you like that? That was good. Yeah, yeah. I thought that quote was uh, it was very good. The bottom line was that's a hard thing to really read and grasp. Like to read it and mm-hmm. to to just say, okay, I'll be open handed with my time, but my treasures mm-hmm. as well. That's a hard thing at times for us. I feel like, especially in our culture. Yeah, it seems like there's so many things outside of us that are going against us and things inside of us and really what I drilled down on yesterday also working against us but ultimately um, you know we're to be people who who view our lives and our relationships and our, our treasure and our time op- with open hands yeah not something for us to hold on to right and I so- mean if we're people about the kingdom we should be seeking to ever expand the kingdom in uh, in the way that honors God of course and uh and then also it just brings good into the world. Yeah, so as the pastor, as the shepherd of this community of faith, and even what you see in the cultural context, do you see us being a people that live open-handedly? Um, in, in spurts. Okay. In spurts. I, I definitely think that that's a growth area for us mm-hmm. um, to be more open-handed. And I'm not saying I'm the, the pinnacle of this either. I mean, I, sure. I, I'm striving. I myself am striving for a life of simplicity and to be open-handed with my time and my treasure. One of the things that, that I value probably more than my treasure is my time. Okay. And uh, I made some bad time decisions early in my ministry, mm-hmm. and and I paid the price for that. My really my family paid the price for that. So I believe maybe I've gone too far with that mm-hmm. um, to where now I was guarding too much of my time and more closed-handed with it than what I ought to be. So, man, I... I do see it as a problem. It's it's an issue of my heart that God is working on. But I do see that as a community of faith, and particularly with time and treasure. Hmm. And I just think of all the things that, that maybe we should be doing or could be doing. How about I'll spin this to a positive that we will be doing yeah. once we truly embrace this life of simplicity. Sure. Yeah, so I think about just the area we live in. Um, We think about our treasures and our homes, and we've had this conversation, you and I, but also with other people of the way we view our homes and even our neighborhoods we live in. Mm -hmm. They, I've heard the word sanctuary used a few times. This is my sanctuary, it's my safe place, right? And I think when it comes to that, it we have this drive to close the door, to be kind of shut off at times, Mm -hmm. and to only choose to open the door when it's safe for us or when we really mm-hmm. feel like it. And I, that actually is going against what we're talking about here, being open-handed, um, not just with our time, but with our treasures and just even us being hospitable. We talked about that a little bit last week of uh, being hospitable and what that really means. But I think that's an area of, of growth that I see um, mm-hmm. just even, not even necessarily in our church, but even our cultural context here. Mm-hmm. We live in the South and it's the be nice and Southern hospitality, but we don't see a lot of, true hospitality right and so i just think it's an interesting thought for us to kind of process and um yeah, yeah it's ultimately you know the king in the kingdom so yeah. it's, it's jesus is the king of kings and he's the lord of lords and and we are to be about his kingdom mm-hmm. you know seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness trusting in all other things will be given unto us right and this is a core belief to a life of simplicity with jesus at the center and yet I do think that there's a, there's a mindset, if you will, 
that it is the the safe haven, the whatever my sanctuary and where my mind went earlier was it's almost like a castle. Like we treat our homes as a castle Hmm. and we only lower the drawbridge when we want to. Yeah. And then like, nope, closing that drawbridge. Sorry, Mm -hmm. you can't come in. We've got a moat and big walls protecting us from, from us in the world. And, and I, I think that is overvaluing the things of the world. Sure. In a way that does not honor God. Okay. And if he is the king, and uh, we're to be about the kingdom, it shouldn't be with us even viewing our homes as, well, this is my safe haven. Mm-hmm. Because that that closes the grip sure. on, on our homes and saying, oh, maybe now my home can't be a place that ministry is done. Yeah. Um, it's you no know, open-handed means a minute. This is a, you know a, this is a place where ministry hmm. is going to be a focus, whether ministry to family and marriage and and all these kinds of things. And um, of course, I do believe that there are times where where you need to be in solitude, which means sure. maybe you have to close the door. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm not saying that that your life has to be a free for all, but um, but I think that we have closed the grip on our homes, our lifestyles and other things at the detriment of the kingdom of God. Hmm. And you talked a lot about yesterday, um, you talked a lot about consumerism and how yeah. we are consumers. Right. And uh, you even talked about narcissism and what that means mm-hmm. and the true meaning of, of just how it's all about us. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about homes, the things that we have, our treasures, when we close the door, we shut those off to, to other people. We, we're not hospitable. We're not open. All that is doing is fueling this mindset of consumerism. Mm-hmm. So there's this uh, epic quote that you actually found this morning from mm-hmm. Fight Club. Um, it's just an, inter- an interesting perspective for us. It says, we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> Who would have thought we'd get <laughs> so much from Fight Club? Who would have thought we would have used the Fight Club quote? Well, there's right? that. <laughs> there's that. It but just, the quote is true, though. It really is. It speaks into this consumeristic American yeah. ideal. Yeah. And, of course, that movie, it just it really pokes holes in a lot of things that are just uniquely American. Yeah. And, and in it is the, the buying things that you don't need with money you don't have. Hmm. Of course, you know, the debt crisis and all of these things, not only at the national level, but at the personal level and credit yeah. cards and the other types of debt. And then to impress people we don't like, hmm. like in that part, you know, it's it's a, hard, a tough pill to swallow. So, oh yeah. Um, but I guess the reality is we're supposed to love all people, but we just don't always like all people. If yeah. we're really honest. Sure. So, um, and uh, it's just it's interesting. So now we've used a, a reference point from uh, from film. There's another one from an English painter by the name of Ben Nicholson. He says, the corruption of the American soul is consumerism. And then Jennifer Stone, an author, she said, consumerism is our national religion. Wow. So this is just a problem that people see across the board of of consumerism. Of course, um, I don't know if any of these people would have looked in their day or in, in this day are looking for a life of simplicity like we are. But sure. as followers of Jesus, it is pretty cool to see that uh, that this is a problem even bigger than us. Yeah. And it's it's so big that uh, that if we get it right and, and maybe that we have Christ at the center, maybe our witness will shine through to a problem that they already see. Yeah. Yeah. So, and be able to address those. Yeah. 
those things. And again, you had something in your sermon. I don't think you even said this, but I think no. it's well, it's worth um, saying now. We often lament what we don't have, and then we strive to get it. And we seldom lament that we have a lot, and we cannot seem to get it. Yeah. And that's, a, again, another hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. of just this mindset of, I need this thing or this trip or this experience to look this way, mm-hmm. um, to have this label or whatever the thing is. We we allow those things to take so much real estate in our minds and our hearts. We strive for those, and yet we forget about the things that we do have. Right. And that at its core, and I'll just say that again, we often lament what we don't have and then strive to get it, and we seldom lament what we have a lot, and we cannot seem to give it. So, so it, it just creates this, this dynamic in us that the core of this is consumerism, and when, when we are consumers, we will not be thankful. And, yeah. and the, so the root of this is not being able to be thankful. Hmm. It's like I'm not, I'm not able to be thankful to God saying, God, thank you for your wonderful provision for me. Hmm. Instead, it's looking to the next thing. It's like, oh, I can't believe I don't have that. Mm-hmm. God, why don't you give me this? Right. And the root desire is if I have that, then I'll be complete. Then hmm. I'll be blessed. Then I'll be thankful. Then I'll be happy. Is there anything in your life that, that you can... Use as an, as an example, because I know I have things, and I, I don't mind sharing those, of maybe something that you thought, oh, when I get this, it'll really fulfill that hole or bring happiness. Um, I can't say nothing comes to mind exactly in that regard, but I can tell you about an event that happened actually last year. Marla and I, we crossed over the 25 years of marriage last November, and I believe we actually talked about this. Or we've touched on this during a podcast way back. But I remember um, the buildup for that. We had to save up for a couple of years or a year to two years for it. It was expensive. Hmm. So we saved up. And I remember all the conversations going into it. And uh, what cruise line are we going to go on? Are we, you know, What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How long is it going to be? And it was 25. So we're like, we don't. Like, we don't want to just do, like, a weekend thing. We want to do something longer. But yet, you know, then it's like, if it's longer, then you want to go and you're going to see different countries and different things and experiences. So we're like, you know, we're just kind of like all the conversation to build up going into it. And then going onto the boat. I mean, it was amazing. It was like, it was like awe-inspiring, like Titanic without the ship sinking. I mean, it was that. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so... It, it really lived up to what it was. But what we what I noticed is about five to six days into it, we were just a day or two from coming home. And then we were just we were just ready. We kind of looked at each other. We're like, okay, we're ready to go home. Hmm. And then after we were home for about a week or so, maybe five days, maybe a week, it it just really kind of dawned on us we were both in like a slump. And we had been anticipating and building up something that was great. And, and, and the time was great. But we had such a buildup and an emotional buy-in to what was happening that, that I could see that in that moment that we were, we were striving for that happiness. And when we went through that emotional dip, now I sit back and look, okay, I, I, my, that wasn't me pursuing joy. It was me pursuing happiness. Hmm. 
for me, it would probably be one of my guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy for me to look and be like, oh, when I get this one, it will be the one. I'll right. never want another one after that. Mm-hmm. And I remember I bought a guitar last year, I think is when I got it. And I had been searching and searching. I finally settled on one that I was like, that's the one. I'll never, I'll never need another one after that. And maybe two weeks after it, I <laughs> somehow find myself browsing again. Like, How did I not see that yeah, one? But that one's in a different color, though. <laughs> right, right. Or this one has a different whatever. And it's just, it's very much an American mindset of yeah. like, more will bring happiness. And mm. that's... And you, you spent a lot of time on that yesterday of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had a couple things. You actually had a math equation that, that we saw on the screen. Yeah. That was interesting. Word math. Word math. It's I the, like it. It's the best. I was terrible at algebra. I yeah. tried word math. Yeah, so you have better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equal happiness. Mm-hmm. That's what we say equals happiness. Um, but the truth is we can't live on our happiness alone. Right. And um, again, we can buy into these things of better possessions or better clothing or what if I had this clothes, you know, this pair of shoes or this piece of clothing for that party, that one thing, um, this guitar, that one trip. And every bit of that consumption uh, brings with it the temptation to have a system of meaning. Yeah. Like it's it my, like my life is going to be more valuable when I consume yep. these better possessions or these peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences like the cruise um, or the right relationships or the perfect appearance. Hmm. It's like with it comes a system of meaning like if I could just have these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely think in the Western world, these are, these are you know, prominent issues. And in other parts of the world, they just don't have the wealth or opportunity that we do. Yeah. So I, I do believe it's a bigger problem here. The reality is this, it's like all of these provide some level of happiness. And to have better possessions, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Sure. Peaceful circumstances, who doesn't want Mm -hmm. peace in their life, right? Thrilling experiences, I love going on the cruise, it was great, I can't wait to go on another one. I learned some things through it. The right relationships, you know, or or the perfect appearance. That may be the one you could poke a hole in and be like, ah, what does that mean? Exactly. Gravity wins, right? Right. It does. (laughs) It does. So all of these have some, some element of happiness and, and they're not necessarily bad, but if they become like the, the thing that you crave more than anything else, Hmm. like you just can't see life beyond these things. Yeah. Then it, it would just cause issues. I mean, we're not, we're not meant to be, living our lives with these extended bouts of happiness because ultimately we stop really being human. Hmm. And when we live in these extended bouts of, of happiness, they will, in my words, they will sear the nerve endings of our humanity. Wow. They, they will stop us from living fully alive. Hmm. And I love the Arrhenius quote, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And I, I would add this to his quote, um, and maybe this is all what he meant by this, because um, this—it's uh, just such a profound quote. Uh, to be fully alive is to be is to be fully present, fully emotionally engaged, or physically engaged, or spiritually engaged, or um, engaged in your 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 singleness or your marriage, just to be fully alive. Hmm. And you won't be fully alive if you're 
living a life based off what you consume. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. Just extended bouts of happiness will sear the nerve endings of our humanity. That's something we don't think about. We think the goal is to be happy, that it's to be, um, that happiness will in turn bring, you know, fulfillment. And right. that's the epicenter of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard it said, you know, think about happiness as Mount Everest and we can't live on Everest. We have to come down from the mountain. There are times mm. that it's going to be low and that's okay because that's mm. all part of this human experience that mm. we're taking part in. There's this verse out of Ecclesiastes three says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Yeah, when I I look at this, and in some measure of this, this is this is the course of a life. We will mm. we will see and experience in one way or the other all of these things. Yeah, and a person that is fully alive is to embrace the season that they're in. Hmm. That's worth quoting. Yeah, at Chad Zook. Yeah, that's what good. I, so what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> so it and that is. Uh, that's such a big part of it. And yet if we live our life based off of what we consume or we try and gain our meaning off this matrix of, con- matrix of consumption, we're going to miss these, these seasons of life yeah. that we're to be fully engaged in. Hmm. And to think if we just live for, for our happiness, you know, we're going to miss the times, that, the times of tenderness where we need to weep next to someone yeah. or to, and just a time to laugh. And right. just to be present in that moment. A time to mourn. You know, nobody wants to talk about mourning. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it's in these times of mourning that the value of life gets is really reduced into the most simplistic of, of, of reality. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's easy for us to look at this and say, let's just look and see what Jesus did. What did his life look like? Right. And this, these verses, I mean, they speak into a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, there were times when Jesus was extremely peaceful. Right. And then we see times whenever he was upset, he was irritated, he was mad. Right. Um, we see times when he mourns. Right. You know, it's he was able to engage where he needed to engage mm-hmm. and to be perfectly present where he was right. in all situations. And um, and I think it's something that we miss, especially in our culture, in our country, This the American mindset of let's consume, let's be happy. More will bring happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think that there's, we're missing a lot of this in our culture today. Yeah, because if, if happiness is the goal, we're going to overemphasize the value of things and we're going to devalue people to get those things. Hmm. Yeah. And, and what is, is so uh, it's interesting in one way and incredibly sad in another because of... of Amazon and, and what we have at our fingertips now, mm-hmm. like what, what may draw you in, maybe something totally different than me. Sure. But there's something to draw everybody in. Oh yeah. And to draw them into this matrix of consumption. Yeah. 
and with a false promise that goes with it. Yeah. So it, it affects every one of us. And because of the, the things at our fingertips now, I mean, it just, there, again, there's something for all of us. Hmm. So no one is void. No one can say, ah, that just doesn't pertain to me. Yeah. You know, there's there's something there at every superstore, super center, online market. I mean, the internet itself. I mean, there's just so many, so many things drawing at us to say, hey, look at this, buy this, consume this. It's going to add value to your life. Yeah. And I think the dangerous part about all of this and what's so easy to miss because it's very subversive, all of this oh, is yeah. very subversive. But this really starts to speak into like, your identity, who you are. Absolutely. We have the ability now to where I can like, depending on how I dress is going to send a message. Right. Depending on the type of car I drive sends a message, the type of house, the type of neighborhood, the type Mm -hmm. of city I want to live in send a message. I mean, it all sends a message. Right. And which can so easily start crafting this identity. It's interesting. So I had a conversation that I actually initiated. We were, uh, we were at Walmart, Gracie and I were at Walmart and we were getting some things for her missions trip. She's going on Thursday. Um, if you're a listener, we would, we would love your prayers for my yeah. daughter. She's going on her missions trip on Thursday and she'll be gone for just about a week to the Dominican Republic. So we're, we're walking along the store and I look up and I see this gentleman who has a hat on, he's in a wheelchair and he has a hat on. I think his hat, uh, if I remember correctly, it had, it was from the first air cavalry. It's a, it's an army thing. So a, it's a unit in the army. Well, I looked at it and I can identify it and my upbringing and, you know, much of the family, much of my family was in the military. So I can identify certain types of insignia. So I looked sure. at, at this and I said, Hey, were you in the first air cav? And he said, yes. His hat revealed something about what could have been as his identity. And, of course, this was literally a five, ten-minute conversation in the middle of Walmart, people shuffling about. But yet, we're sitting down, and then we start talking about his time in service, and then um, we somehow got on to my time in service, so then, and then we're kind of going back and forth, total stranger. Hmm. But in that was, was this respect in what could have been um, constructing this view of him, this identity of him, just simply off his hat. And if so, replace that hat with somebody who's not, you know, a senior citizen. Sure. Replace that with somebody who's trendy. Yeah. Or, or replace that with a certain type of music that mm-hmm. somebody listens oh, to. Oh yeah. And then a lifestyle that goes with it. Mm-hmm. There's uh, th- there's a bit of identity that can be found in all of those. Yeah. We have to be careful, and that too, and then it 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 is a matrix of uh, based off our consumption. That, that we can uh, use to add meaning to our life. Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like we allow those things to become the center. Like if we're living without Jesus at the center, then those right. things inevitably inevitably do become the center. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, if you're living in that way, it's the only thing that's on your mind is I need to have this type of clothing. I need to go to this thing. Uh, visit this place to be seen a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to the identity thing. And I love this Pascal quote. Uh, There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can never be filled by any created thing. 
it can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so true because regardless of what your thing is, whether it's possession or a trip or an experience, it, your heart will never be filled. Like there's a God-shaped hole and it mm-hmm. cannot be filled with things. Regardless of what style, regardless of what trip or whatever, it can only be filled by Jesus, mm-hmm. keeping him at the center. And I think, again, this is something that we, I'm going to kind of test some waters here maybe, um, this is something that we've gotten wrong in the church, I feel like, as well, mm-hmm. um, of allowing for consumerism to make its way into the church. Um, and sadly, I feel like it, it may be in our church some, um, but as the church as a whole, I feel like we in America have, have made consumerism, um, maybe not even intentionally, but we've allowed it to creep in. Yeah, I mean, it, who would who would think that in... Uh, you know, Russia, North Korea, Somalia, China, that there would be such, such a thing as church marketing. Yeah. Scary. Like, and to think, oh, this is just church marketing. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly I'm not, I'm not knocking what I'm about to say. If somebody has a Christian t-shirt, wear your Christian t-shirt. I sure. It's that, that is irrelevant to me. But I wonder if uh, I wonder if what we've settled for is I'm a Christian because I have this T-shirt that says I'm a Christian instead of I'm a Christian and I'm going to add value to the world because Christ is at the center. Hmm. So we've just settled with this this identity again, going back to identity, yeah, based off of ultimately church marketing, Christian marketing, yeah. So I have this T-shirt that sets me apart. I went on this missions trip. I'm wearing this shirt, or uh, you know, this Christian band. No, I'm a Christian because I have this. Instead of letting um, the light shine into the darkness through our good deeds and through the sharing of the gospel, and I wonder, again, not not poking holes in all this, but I wonder if we haven't, as a church, capital C church, and maybe our our church, haven't settled for something that is not altogether gospel related but yet it's it's a consumeristic version of the christian culture yeah and i even see it man just with the with kind of what i'm involved with with the worship and it's so easy to go to conferences or man now with youtube and things like we have this idea of what success is yeah. That's what it comes down to. Like, what do you view as successful? Mm-hmm. And for us in America, I mean, right now it's like, have the line array system, have the lights, have the smoke, have, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. Like we've had these conversations mm-hmm. together. We don't think that, you know, those things are inherently bad, but they can lead somewhere that's unhealthy and, yes. and in turn wrong. Um, we believe if you're going to do all this, do it well. Yeah. But this is, this is not necessarily, uh, this was not a part of the early church at all. Right. And it wasn't part of their identity. And I believe it, it continues to fuel this idea of consumerism. Mm-hmm. Um, when people see these things, it's so we live in a kind of a comparison society. So you've got one church on this side of the city that has the big thing. And on this side of the city that doesn't have that thing. And so with us having a consumerism mindset, we want to go to the flashy and the new and the, mm-hmm. the bright and the loud, all of that. Um, and it's it's sad that it's creeped its way into the church. Um, and you talked about yesterday with 
churches in China and Russia and mm-hmm. all the other countries, they're not having conversations about this. Uh, they can't even meet, you know, in daylight. They have to meet under the cover of darkness, right. and they're actually healthy, mm-hmm. but they're also persecuted. Right. And that helps to refine them. Yeah. It helps to to define them as being uniquely followers of Christ, but then also refine them if you know, if they've backslidden some. So yeah. refine them and say, no, 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 this persecution then brings about a sharpening of their faith and uh, a, and more of a, a, you know, just the light in the darkness. Sure. So their their lives become what they see. And for them, they're, they're not being marketed. Right. And I think this question, <laughs> again, we're not against like, we're, A, we're not against big churches or churches that have lights and all that. That's not our mission here. No. That's not what our heart is. But I have to ask the question, are we building the kingdom of God or the kingdom of us? Right. And the way it is right now in our country and even sadly in our city, I'm sure, is we can choose a place that's more comfortable for us that is what we want, our preference, right. our happiness, right. um, the music we like, the teaching that we like. Um, and let me just tell you why that doesn't work. Okay. Because you may like the church you go into, but every church changes because it's full of people who are changing. Hmm. There's going to be something that changes about it. So if your level of happiness is based off of what you're consuming at the local church level, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And the people around you are going to be disappointed because you're, you, you're going to be dissatisfied ultimately just in a few short years because there may be a leadership change there could be a vision change there could be a change of music there could be that that one teacher that you're like i go here because of this person or whatever the case may be yeah and it's like all of a sudden maybe they're not in that teaching position what again whatever the the lure is sure that that lends itself to consumption or consumerism as soon as that's removed you're going to get unhappy yeah and that's that's a really sad reality of things mm-hmm is that it can be based on that. So how about we um, we stop and look even at, at our church and every other, you know, any other follower of Jesus that's regularly attending, hopefully you're serving, you're supporting the ministry teams um, and your pastor and you're loving well and you're serving well. Like how about we just seek to have a life of simplicity with Christ at the center and not just chase these these holy or religious blessings? And levels of happiness. Yeah. Because ultimately, God is not glorified in those things. It's building the kingdom of me that's going to lead us to disappointment. Yeah. And ultimately, our cities, our counties, our states, our country, our culture needs the, the Christians to rise up to be the church that they were meant to be. So I'm going to read this verse for us out of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As Christ's ambassadors. Yeah. So uh, as an ambassador, we need to be people about evangelism. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to be people about teaching, bringing people into maturity and faith and discipleship and to submission to Christ. And when we do this, Christ will be the center. Uh, we need to be people of compassion, following the example of Jesus. 
who went about doing good. And we also need to be people in seeking justice, remembering that the Lord Jesus is the, he's the judge of all the earth and all justice flows ultimately from his throne. So we should be people about justice. And then also in using and caring for creation, in handling uh, and caring for and tending to actually what belongs to God and not us. Yeah. To preserve it and care for it and to nurture it for the generations to come. You see, when we do this and we do these things and, and we seek to improve upon these things continually with Christ at the center, then we are Christ ambassadors. And then in through our witness, we're not just soaking up things from the culture. We're not just consuming things in culture. We're not just consuming relationships. We're not just consuming uh, churches for what we can gain from them. Instead, we see and we view our life as being contributors to the world. On mission for Jesus. So the going out and doing good works as followers of Jesus. And when we do that, we will be the light in the darkness. 